Hi guys, thank you so much for coming back to this channel. My name is Dr. Simran and I make health and wellness podcasts. If this is your first time, thank you. I really appreciate you. If this is something that you've done before, you've listened to some of my previous recordings, thank you. Again, I appreciate you so much for coming back. So before we go into tonight's topic, let's go ahead and plug that disclaimer. Please keep in mind, this channel is only meant for educational purposes. So if you're wanting to make any changes to your diet, nutrition, lifestyle, fitness routines, medication, please run that by your health practitioner. Get them to approve those changes before you make them. And if you still choose to make them, make them at your own discretion. Here's another disclaimer that I wanted to go ahead and plug tonight. Something I do, I'm I'm extremely mindful when I make these podcasts or, you know, for that matter, if I'm creating a blog or if I'm posting something on my social media platforms, something I do is I only share information that is clinically and scientifically sound. What do I mean by that? Um, I try to stay away from anecdotal evidences or information that I might have seen on social media. I don't like to cite information like that on any of my podcasts. Um, everything that I share has been published in you know, clinical medical journals, um, has been researched, has been tested, is scientifically and clinically sound. Sometimes um, these are articles that I've published. Sometimes they're published by my colleagues or people you know, in my field. So everything that I share is data that has been studied and published in medical or clinical journals. Okay, having said that, let's go ahead and jump into tonight's topic. Hi guys, thank you so much for coming back to my channel. My name is Dr. Simone and I make health and wellness podcasts. For those of you um, that have been supporting me and my channel, thank you so much. I really, really appreciate you. Um, And for those of you, if this is your first time, thank you for joining. Um, Today I have a very special topic on my mind. This is my personal favorite. Um, I want to go ahead and talk a little bit about um, the clinical benefits of meditating and also clarify some misconceptions that I see on meditation often um, when I log into my personal social media feed or go on YouTube or, you know, a variety of different channels that I watch and listen to and I hear all of these different misconceptions. For today's topic, I'm going to focus on the health benefits of meditation and I also want to go ahead and clarify some misconceptions. So there's two aspects to meditation. Um, There's an aspect of developing your spirituality and or you know maybe even a religious aspect and then you have the clinical aspect. So If you have been meditating just to receive spiritual benefits, then by all means, keep doing what you've been doing. And if you like it, then keep at it. This podcast, this episode is focused on understanding the clinical benefits of meditation and how a one size fits all meditation may not be the best option if someone is dealing with issues like anxiety or stress eating. So if this is you, then keep on watching and let's jump right into it.
to begin with, this is what I'm going to go ahead and, um, and th these are my personal views. So please keep that in mind. You don't have to listen to what I have to say. Um, but if you've known me and if you've been listening to my podcast, then you know that I don't really talk about anything unless there's a scientific backbone to that conversation. There's a clinical backbone to that conversation. So I'm going to go so far to say that in my opinion, meditation is one of the easiest, the most non-invasive and one of the most simplest clinical tools to help rewire signals in the brain. In fact, I'm going to take this a step further. I'm going to go ahead and say that meditation is no different than medication. Okay. And I'm going to clarify all of these statements that I'm making on this podcast. And again, these are my personal views. So feel free to, you know, listen to what you feel or think is the best and most comfortable for you and your body. Okay. So why am I saying that meditation is no different than medication? You would not want to take medication that is a one size fits all, right? If you don't have cancer, you don't want cancer medication in your body. If you don't suffer from a certain health issue, you don't want to have medication for that specific health issue, right? So anytime you have a health issue, you want to meet with your practitioner. You want them to give you something that is designed specifically for you, for your health, your blood work, and overall health history. So meditation is no different. And why do I say that? Meditation is one of the easiest and the most simplest method to allow your brain and your body to speak with each other, to allow the brain to talk to the adrenal glands, to allow the brain to talk to the gut. And I'm going to go into all of this here in about a couple minutes. Okay. So if you are doing a one size fits all meditation, you're obviously not going to get the benefits, but you're not going to stay motivated. Okay, so how do we get into all of these concepts that I'm talking about? Let's start with some misconceptions and then I will cover everything that I've just said in the last one to two minutes. Okay, so let's begin with the first misconception. Like I said, meditation should not be a one size fits all tool. Okay, so let's take an example of stress right? So when you have stress, when you have anxiety, different systems in the body are getting involved, right? So one of the first systems in the body that gets involved is your brain. Now, stress and anxiety can come from different centers in the brain. You could have a stress and anxiety pattern that's coming from, let's assume a sort of a PTSD that you might've had a trigger, a negative trigger in your childhood, or it could be a number of reasons. Now, any one of those triggers could be either coming from the amygdala or it could be coming from the cortex. All right. In a future podcast, I will talk more about what the amygdala is and what it does. But for now, I just want you to remember stress and anxiety can come from each or both of these systems, the amygdala or the cortex. Okay. Today, let's focus on the amygdala. All right. So the amygdala is a part of your brain that not only triggers the fear, the anxiety, but is also required to treat the fear and that anxiety. All right. So let's take an example of medication. 
All right, so let's think that you have been given an antidepressant. You're taking it for some time, you're feeling awesome, and then in a couple weeks, couple days, you're back to ground zero. You again feel like crap, you're not feeling yourself, and that medication now has to either be changed or the dose has to be increased. Why did that happen? Because when we try to treat things like anxiety, we're not understanding a couple different systems here. Number one system, your medication is numbing your amygdala. So really, you're not feeling the sensation. It's like an anesthesia. But the problem is still in the body. That's number one. Number two, for us to be able to treat anxiety, anyone's anxiety, no matter what the trigger is, your gut and your brain have to be treated in combination with each other. So your anxiety medication is treating your brain in isolation, trying to numb your amygdala, but no one is talking about your gut. Your neurotransmitters that can prevent that anxiety, that can help you feel back to normal, is made in your gut. Your immune system is made in your gut. And you've probably heard me say this over and over and over. If the gut is not talking to the brain, you're not going to be able to treat any chronic disease. Now here's the number component three or I should say component number three, is your adrenal gland. So when your amygdala is overactive, your body is gone, has gone into something called sympathetic nervous system overactivation or overexcitement, right? So when your sympathetic nervous system, which is your fight, flight, or freeze reaction, right? When that is overactivated, your adrenal gland is putting out a lot of stress hormone. So this whole thing is happening in your body, right? This whole combination of, you know, stress reaction is happening in your body. Now you've taken the medication. Your medication is not going to be able to handle with all of this. All your medication is doing is numbing you to the process. So then you decide, I want to go ahead and get some meditation. I want to reduce my stress. Now here's where not doing the one size fits all policy comes in, which is what the first misconception is, which is, I want you to understand that medication and meditation should be treated identical, meaning you want to get a personal recommendation. So let's say you have a trigger. The anxiety trigger was a PTSD from a past. Okay. And someone tells you to do some kind of imagery. And you sit down and you start to practice that imagery. And all of a sudden that PTSD, you have flashback of what happened. Do you really think that meditation is going to be motivational for you? No, absolutely not. So the point I'm making here is your meditation should also follow the same principle, which is you need to find out what is the best for you, for your brain to help calm your amygdala. And remember, I'm not asking you to get off your medication. That is not the point of this podcast. The point of this podcast is to explain to you that any of these treatments have to be done in combination, but a one size fits all cannot be the plan. Okay. Misconception number two, you have to be laying, you have to be sitting up straight for meditation and you have to be controlling all and every one of your thoughts. So I'm going to start with this ladder first. One of the biggest reasons why people have so much trouble meditating is because of this misconception that you have to control your thoughts. Please understand guys, 
The very basic nature, the identity of your brain is to think. That is the very foundation of our brains. So if you ask your brain to stop thinking, you might as well ask your brain to be dead. Your brain is not going to stop thinking. That is the premise of your brain to think. Okay? So the idea here is not to control anything. The the word control in itself negates the purpose of meditation. We're not wanting to control because if you're controlling, then you're not meditating. Then again, your ego is taking over. What you want to do is you want to rewire the signals in the brain. You want the brain to talk to the gut. You want the brain to send messages to the adrenal gland to not get over excited. And controlling your thoughts will only make that more um, aggressively agitated, that whole process. So the, the goal here is to not control your thoughts, but instead to not pay attention to every thought. So let's get back again to a little clinical uh, premise here. Your amygdala, which is living in a state of fear when you're having all of these sympathetic nervous system activation and cortisol, which is the hormone that your body is putting out and making you believe, let's assume you're thinking that you're not successful, that you're not going to be able to make the money that you want, or um, you're not going to be able to pass that exam. That is the trigger that is being put out by your amygdala okay now if you listen to that trigger then your amygdala has done what it needs to do which is keep you in fear so my point here is those thoughts that are coming i all i want you to do is i want you to just listen and let them go if you hold on to the thought if you pay attention to the thought if you focus and hone in on it is when the cortisol activation will kind of get overstimulated. So the goal of meditation is to teach you to not control your thoughts, instead not pay attention to your thoughts. Okay, so you just want these thoughts to pass you by. Let the thoughts come. Number first point that I made. So I know I started with the latter, not paying attention to your thoughts, not controlling your thoughts. The number one, the, the first point that I made, you have to sit up straight. Yes, that is true. Sometimes that can help, but that is a very advanced technique. You have to be meditating uh, for years and years before your body can take that kind of pressure. If you have back pain, if you have just started meditating, if you are someone who's lacking sleep, if you have been stressed out for God knows how long throughout this pandemic, you've been sitting on your desk um, trying to make Zoom videos, you're not going to be able to sit up straight. You're not going to have the motivation to sit up straight. In fact, you're probably so exhausted that when you start meditating, you want to fall asleep. Your body wants to catch up on that sleep because it wants to lower that cortisol and bring up that parasympathetic nervous system, which is rest and relaxation and improve your digestion. So which means your brain is probably going to want you to sleep. So it's okay to lay down. It's okay in the beginning if you fall asleep when you're meditating. The goal is to get up from that sleep when you get up and finish the few minutes that you missed if you fell asleep.
And I'll talk all about that in a future podcast, how to meditate, what are some simple techniques, what are some general tips to keep in mind, but I still stay grounded in my previous message, which is you want to have someone teach you the best meditation for you and your health history. Okay. Misconception number three, I think misconception number three. You have to be meditating, um, you know, either with music or you have to have, you know, some guided meditation. So again, I go back to what I said previously. If you have certain triggers, if you have certain issues like PTSD, some meditation music, some meditation guidance might actually bring up those triggers for you. So the goal is to find the meditation that is most easy for you, something that you can sit with. So let me digress. Let me give you another example. Okay. If you suffer from ADD, if you suffer from ADHD, chances are if someone is telling you to sit for 20 straight minutes in one place and imagine or visualize or listen to music, you're probably going to have a problem with that, right? Because you don't have the brain capacity in that moment to fathom being able to sit in one place for 20 minutes. And that is not your fault. That's just how your brain is wired. And that's the goal of meditation to help you rewire those signals. Right. And so in this case, once again, I go back to the same thing, which is you want to find a meditation that's going to be best for you. So for someone like you, maybe a walking meditation, you lose weight and you're able to meditate. Okay. The last misconception I want to clarify, there are many misconceptions, but I'm going to stick to four that people always think that, you know, it's one gimmick and that's it. I'm going to go on the keto diet and that's it. I'm going to lose all the weight, not understanding how the keto diet is going to affect my brain, my heart. I'm just going to go have all the cheese and the meat that I want. And then that's it. Not thinking about what effect that's going to have on my heart, my liver, my brain without all the you know beneficial nutrients coming from the other food groups and the excessive animal fat that I'm having. So the same example applies to meditation. Sometimes people overdo it. You know, I'm just going to go ahead and get my meditation music and I'm going to go ahead and meditate. But that's not how things function in your body. As I said in my previous um, misconception in, in the very beginning, at the very beginning, for any anxiety, depression, stress eating, if you want to treat that, you have to treat everything in combination. Your brain is not in isolation. Your brain is functioning in, in together as a team with your adrenal gland and your gut. So you're meditating, but then you're, you know, not finding any results. You're not finding any results is because those neurotransmitters that can prevent stress eating, that can prevent anxiety are made in the gut. So my point here is that you have to heal your gut. You have to be able to clean up your gut to remove all that inflammation. So meditation is going to help you tremendously. It's going to rewire the signals, but then what? How do you then replace those bad signals with good ones? right? So you have to be able to eat for your health, not following diets, not to follow gimmicks. Diets don't treat your body in the long term. You can do a diet and lose a couple pounds, but that weight loss is going to come at a price. You do not want to have deficiencies of nutrients that make neurotransmitters that ultimately that meditation is going to help benefit from. 
So you want to be able to have a diet and a lifestyle, or I don't like the word diet, a nutrition plan and a lifestyle that goes along with the meditation plan that has been given to you. And that meditation plan has been given to you based on whatever it is that you're dealing with. That could be stress eating, that could be anxiety, that could be depression, that could be self-sabotage, that could be being a procrastinator. Whatever is the issue that you're trying to tackle, that meditation has to then be aligned with the foods that you're eating so that those neurotransmitters are fed. Okay, so here's a simple, simple, simple example. Okay, you have a lot of depression, a lot of anxiety, but then you're not eating any fruits. You don't have enough antioxidants in the brain to help rewire those signals. You're sitting and meditating, but you're not seeing the benefits. Of course, you're not going to see the benefits. So I hope this has been a little bit beneficial. I do offer meditation workshops. And in my workshops, I explain to my patients, again, these are my views. You may or may not agree with me, but in my workshops, I tell patients that meditation is an extremely clinical, non-invasive tool to help rewire signals in the brain. The brain talks to the gut through something called the vagus nerve. So in your meditation, there should be a plan to help you stimulate and repair that vagus nerve. Your meditation plan should help you basically boost your immune system. And you know, I really don't like the word boost because it becomes gimmicky because you can't just boost the immune system. But for the purpose of this um, podcast, I'm going to say strengthen your immune system. Your meditation should teach you how to breathe correctly. So if you are someone who deals with PTSD, with panic attacks, you have um, triggers, you know, that throw you into that flash of a moment when your entire body freezes, breath work is important. The right kind of breathing can not only stimulate the centers in the brain, it has been clinically proven that the only and the simplest way to treat your amygdala, an overactive amygdala, an overactive sympathetic nervous system, is to teach the patient to breathe properly. And over time, because of our poor diets and our stress, we have become people who don't know how to breathe properly. I know this sounds crazy, but it does. It is happening again and again in clinical practice. We see that patients don't know how to breathe properly. Okay. One one more thing I'd like to add, not adding a proper breathing technique, which is individually designed for you. No amount of meditation is going to help you get to the goals that you want to get to. Okay. Um, and this is so true in this day and age with the pandemic. Um, Trying to strengthen your lungs, allowing your lungs to talk to your brain, allowing the lungs to talk to, um, you know, your amygdala and your diaphragm, your vagus nerve, your gut, all of these are little pieces of the puzzle. And so unless we bring all of them together through diet, through exercise, through meditation, we're not going to see a long-term healing. Um, You can treat and mask your symptoms in the short term. But for you to be able to get out of, for all of us to be able to get out of this phase that we have been in for so long, 
that we have been in a, in a state of chronic disease for so long, um, we're not going to be able to get out of this unless we bring all of these together. Remember, we're past that stage when we could just pop a pill and everything could be okay. Our immune systems have taken a lot of beating from all the stress, from all the processed foods, from all the misconceptions, from all the false and um, gimmicky um, messages that we've been receiving. Um, you know, diets can cure. Um, you, can, you know, you can just jump on a supplement and you'll be fine. All of these messages have caused our bodies so much damage. So I repeat, meditation, in my opinion, is no different from medication. You always want to get personal advice from someone who can train you and find you the right method that is the best for you and your body. Okay. So before I leave you, just some benefits of meditation in case you're wondering and you want to get on a practice, uh, you want to jumpstart a practice of meditation. Number one, meditation, like I said, is one of the easiest and the fastest ways to rewire signals in your brain. Meditation clinically in studies has shown to help with stress eating, to strengthen the immune system, to reduce inflammation in the body. Uh, meditation can deal, help you deal with a lot of deep-rooted anxiety, uh, PTSD, um, if you suffer from sugar cravings, addictions, that could be any kind of addiction, alcohol addiction, smoking, sex addiction, shopping addiction, all of these meditation can really jump in and help, except you have to find the right one for you. All right, guys, I hope this was beneficial. Um, I do, like I said, offer uh, meditation workshops. Please reach out to me if you'd like to find out more about them or if you'd like to sign up. Uh, reach out to me if you have more questions, if you want me to talk about a specific type of meditation or any other topic. Um, I do plan to make some more podcasts on understanding anxiety, understanding depression, how can we nutritionally, um, you know, tackle these issues and understanding the connection between the brain and the gut and so on and so forth. So stay grounded, meditate, make sure you don't make your meditation about controlling your thoughts, but most about helping you not pay attention to those thoughts. On that note, guys, have a great night and I will talk to you soon. Thank you so much.